Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing. Bet Online has you covered with all of the up to the second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get in on the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, host of the California Sports Lawyer podcast. This is season six, episode two, and we're talking about emerging technology uh, trends uh, that are leading to both deal-making and some disputes in uh, entertainment, media, and sports. So if you may recall last week, we talked a little bit about some of the mergers that were going on uh, and and maybe more specifically looking at the deals being made between cable carriers and streamers and how those folks were looking at ways to work together and how this was this was sort of a great opportunity for both consumers um, in terms of, um, you know, distribution and, and having content sort of be put out there. So. You know, if you only have cable or if you only have streaming, this is a way to sort of combine some of that so that uh, folks can watch, for example, uh, in the Disney charter uh, deal, it was a situation where now I think it's effective, was effective yesterday is folks can, if you're a Spectrum customer, charter customer, if you will, uh, you can now have uh, access to uh, Disney Plus, the ad tier, um, but it's it's included in your packaging. So things like that where it allows uh, easier access to content. And of course, if you look at uh, Max, which is uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, you now have Bleacher Report, um, a Bleacher Report add-on there for free for now uh, as they work through the uh, technological kinks. Um, you know, ultimately you can watch some of the live sports for free. So again, the whole point of sort of this collaboration, working together, deal making, that sort of thing. But of course, anytime you have changes in the industry, technologies being introduced, you're you're going to have issues uh, from that. Uh, and some of those issues are implementation in terms of uh, keeping up with technology. This is what uh, Max and HBO and their team are dealing with. Uh, as to initially the the Bleacher Report add-on for sports, which of course is owned by Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, would uh, be ending. So you'd have a certain like about a month, thirty days, or whatever to basically you know, use the sports add-on for free, and then ultimately it would phase out, and you have to pay for it because of the technological issues and implementation. Uh, obviously, they've extended that. And of course, it's not the first time we've heard of this, right? You watching a major sports match and 
something happens where the streaming isn't just right and uh, or somebody hacks the streaming or whatever there's just been some issues there uh, that i think um, have have obviously been created when you're talking about innovation and technology and changing anything to an existing structure so one of these other issues that has come up is artificial intelligence and it's something that or ai for short and it's something that we've talked about quite a bit on this show and it really is um, i would say for 2024 and even parts of 2023 um, this will continue to be a major issue and something in terms of implementation the ethical rules around it any issues that you're dealing with with ai in terms of when can you use it when can you not use it privacy issues um, anything sort of to do with artificial intelligence people are talking about people are implementing it but of course folks are not understanding the full grasp of this right i recently read this uh, great quote that a friend provided to me uh, by elon musk where he was talking about you know ai and how you know ai if not implemented and i'm paraphrasing but if ai is not implemented correctly the equivalent would be if you're building a road and there's an anthill in the way of the road right well of course, in terms of progress, you would just continue to build the road and you would destroy the anthill. Well, of course, a sort of similar analogy that a colleague once told me that, you know, if you're if you're not at the dinner table, you're on the menu, right? Meaning that if you're not in there making decisions, and of course, this is why it's so important to be active in uh, local and national and regional politics, statewide politics, lawmaking, deal making. Because ultimately, artificial intelligence will have a major impact on culture, on your job, on everything. And this is not to scare you. It's just to say that you know, artificial intelligence is a serious business, and it can be both great but also detrimental if, if it's not implemented correctly. right? And so when we're looking at artificial intelligence in the context of entertainment, media, and sports, you know, look, it's clearly created even in its infancy stages – uh, some fantastic opportunities for creatives, talent, people, and fans, and and companies. Now, one thing that often happens, um, particularly in a place where rules govern many things and laws govern many things, and America is um, a place of freedom and liberty and, and all of that, but of course, it's also a place of laws, uh, whether written or unwritten, right? And of course, anytime you implement something, you will go up against a set of laws and a set of laws that sort of determine how things should be implemented. Now, of course, legislatures are often reactive, and so sometimes they'll pass laws after something has happened to remedy a situation, if you will. But it's sort of like as the old saying goes, and this is something I did not realize until recently in terms of a concept, right? Because oftentimes you'll hear sort of folks say, oh, well, that person broke the law or that person would have alleged to have broke the law. Well, the reality of it is, is that you don't actually break the law. You break up against the law because the law is not going to break, right? The reality of it is, is the thing or person that is going against the law is going to break. The law itself is not going to break unless it's changed, right? And then it's not broken. It's just changed. 
Now, of course, people may say that oh, a certain law is broken or needs to be changed, but that's different. That's more about you know, wanting to see implemented change versus, um, you know, the, the reality of it is, is you can't break the law. You can only break against it. And my point in raising this is that artificial intelligence works the same way. So let me give you some examples. So when you're talking about artificial intelligence, the use of ChatGPT, any sort of generative AI, anything that's creating uh, answers or creating knowledge based upon existing knowledge or facts or circumstances, well, intellectual property plays a huge role in this. And intellectual property, for example, being a group of laws surrounding you know, copyright for music, for a book, um, anything in sort of that realm. Um, if you're looking at a trademark, you know, anything to do with, you know, names, service names, uh, service marks, this sort of thing, trade secrets, the idea, the idea being something has, has intrinsic value by being kept secret. Uh, and of course the, the level of how it's kept secret through NDAs or what have you any sort of licensing, and of course, patents, right? Inventions and that sort of thing. Now with specific focus, at least in this podcast on copyright law, one of the issues with AI has been that with generative AI, these software programs will essentially look out towards the internet and look out towards what people input into ChatGPT, for example, to get answers. You know, how do you draft a paper? How do you answer this question? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? It, and in many ways, it's like the Iron Man movies with Jarvis, right? When Robert Downey Jr. introduces this sort of AI and it helps him, it's his helper, right? I think everybody dreams of an opportunity in that sense, but I'm not sure that um, I think barriers to entry would be very difficult for that. Uh, and I think, of course, it, our intellectual property with artificial intelligence is going to create some barriers as well because of the law, right? And again, as I mentioned, you can't break the law. You can only break against the law, right? And and ultimately, the law is going to survive. And with copyright law, again, as I mentioned, AI software will go out and say, okay, what does Google say about this? And it will collect information about you, about people, about whatever it might be, history, that sort of thing. And ultimately, because the AI software wants to deliver something, wants to deliver you know, an answer to something, um, it'll spit out an answer. And sometimes that answer could be wrong, um, not calculated correctly, uh, meaning just that the AI software has not gotten to a point where it's perfect, right? Now, of course, there's infringement in this because as that AI software goes out and you know, looks at the internet, says what's out there, it brings back information that is copyrighted, right? So it could be Google, anything on Google with it, that's a Google book, uh, anything on, so even though the book itself is not available for download, all of the information is on there, but it's usually protected through a paywall. But ultimately Google would have access to it. So if an AI system is given access to that, it can gather this information. And of course, Bear in mind that when you're talking about research, right, if you and I were to go out and research something, we would take the time to, you know, basically maybe start with an internet search or a Google search and then maybe um, sort of dial down into more specific resources, books, encyclopedias, you know, something, in-person interviews, this sort of thing. Well, of course, AI has instant access to many of those things already, and it's instant, it, uh, um, 
it's instant. It's um, it's done instantaneously, right? And so this is both the power and the scariness of AI. And so infringement claims have been filed uh, for litigation uh, by, for example, many companies. But in this context, we'll talk about the music industry and music labels like Universal Music Group. And the whole point is to prevent AI software and programs from taking underlying copyrighted music, musical works, so musical compositions, sound recordings, uh, lyrics, melodies, and using it to create new music or new works, if you will. And uh, that, of course, is a problem, right? Because there's no licensing in play. When ChatGPT pulls information from the internet, it's not licensing any of that, you, you know, that data that it's using, um, information that it's using. Uh, and of course, information is valuable and information can be protected depending on what it is through copyright or what have you. So this is a major issue. And of course, the music industry is not the only ones to do this. Other industries have filed suit as well. If you recall, there was a case, and you may not recall, but there was a case a while back over Google Books, and, and Google ended up winning. But ultimately, some authors had said, well, hey, you have our entire book online. But the, the sort of response to this was, well, you don't have access to the entire book. You have bits and pieces of the book, and you know ultimately, this leads to more sales and ultimately pieces of information um, – you know, can generally not be protectable. It's when it's sort of something together, right? An original work or, or an adapted work or something like this. But ultimately, there's no licensing going on. And one of the key sort of questions or defense by an AI, an AI company, because keep in mind that copyright is a, a strict liability offense, meaning that there's no excuse to it. You can have a defense to it, Um you know, and one of those defenses is the fair use doctrine. And what fair use says is that you go through these different factors, but ultimately um, courts have been um, not consistent with it, meaning that, you know, you could sort of claim fair use, lawsuit could be filed, and you could be defending yourself, and it could ultimately be that, hey, you're found liable for infringement. And so my point in bringing this up is that it, Fair use is not something that you want to rely on, right? You want to have a license in play or some sort of approval in play, which by nature would be a license. Now, of course, what an AI company or somebody using copyrighted data might say or information might say, well, it's fair use because the work is transformative. I'm taking existing musical works and I'm creating something new. So, for example, if you've seen some of these uh, deep fakes or some of these online AI sort of works where it's like you're taking, you know, a Tupac song or a Biggie Smalls song, and then you have Sinatra singing it, something like that. Now, to me, that would be a classic example of copyright infringement, right? You're taking essentially an existing work and you're just changing who sung it, right? And 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 ultimately that would be copyright infringement unless there is a license in play. So these are some of the things that the music industry is is coming across. Now, of course, if you were to take, let's say, a melody or music composition or sound recording and transform it to something completely and entirely new where either it wasn't recognizable or another argument people might say is, oh, well, it's so small of a taking that 
you know, ultimately it's, it's not really considered a taking again, that's a slippery slope because courts have been inconsistent on this. There's no sort of consistent pattern as to how courts will decide. So utilizing fair use as a defense is, is very risky. It's, and the risk is significant. So again, this whole point of the law doesn't break, but you break against the law, right? And so intellectual property is an example of this. You have all these sort of deals being made, technologies being introduced, artificial intelligence being one of these major uh, sources of uh, innovation. It's going to create problems, right? And problems being that it has to comply with the law. Now, of course, um, the sort of result of a decision in Universal's favor, by the way, Universal Music Group, would be that talent, the talent that it sort of controls music copyrights to, um, well, would be able to restrict AI companies from using copyrighted material without Universal or the talent's express written consent, which is by nature a license and the payment of a fee, and the fee could be significant. Uh, the decision would be a ripple effect in the entertainment industry and beyond AI, by the way, because if music sets this precedent, precedent, this would mean that it applies to other copyrighted information, right? So AI platforms would have to license that info. And because they've consistently used copyrighted material to create brain power uh, or generative AI, if you will, uh, to produce answers and results, um, from user-generated questions and prompts, there would be a change, right? And ultimately, these AI companies would be probably forced to create paid and unpaid service platforms with the unpaid being limited data and the paid being licensed data. Um, so ultimately, it would be sort of a, a have and have not situation if you could access it or not. As a colleague once told me at a conference, said that uh, the issue is not whether uh, whether AI will be used and have an effect, the issue is whether a certain person will use AI or have access to it and whether another person will not have access to it. So this is a, this creates a dilemma, right? Um, now, look, arguably, artificial intelligence and the taking of copyrighted music is well beyond sampling, right? Sampling is sort of something that's a term used in the music industry that's saying, oh, I sampled a part of this, sampled a part of this. And you create something transformative, right? Now, of course, look, again, this whole idea of, oh, if something is five or eight seconds or less, it's usually, you know, okay. And it's usually, you know, either some fair use or some other argument, you know, such a minor taking. Again, there's no established rule on that. So even if you took five or eight seconds or six seconds or seven seconds, it doesn't matter. There's no law on that. Right. So you'd have to prove that in court if you were sued for copyright infringement. Point being, get a license, make sure you go through the process, get the approvals. Do not take things off the internet just because you think that, you know, they're free because they're on the internet. Right. You need to be able to establish a line from where you got it, how you got it, how you paid for it, how you licensed it, and how you created the thing that you have. Right. And having notes on that and having proof of your work. Right. Uh, similar to sort of math teacher in, you know, grammar school or, um, you know, junior high school or what have you, or middle school, where it's, you know, your teacher says, hey, show your homework, show your math. You know, how'd you get to this conclusion, right? May sound sort of uh, trivial, but ultimately you don't want to get sued. So, and again, this isn't legal advice. It's just 
this is generally what we've sort of seen, uh, you know, sort of in the industry. Just make sure you get a license, make sure you talk with a lawyer, go through that process, right? Now, of course, specifically in California and in other states that have privacy laws, AI is also butting up against this and essentially will break unless it complies with privacy laws, specifically protecting consumers and any collection of data without approval. Now, look, when you buy a new phone, you download a new app on your phone, uh, you make a purchase online. Everybody has done this and you do the whole check the box thing, right? That little thing says, check this box to make sure you agree to our terms and conditions. Look, 99.9% .9 of folks do not read that, uh, but that is considered an assent to the terms, right? So if you're moving through that, you're checking the box, you're saying, okay, like I've approved this, approved this, you know, ultimately you're agreeing to their terms, which may mean arbitration. It may mean relieving of some sort of, um, you know, liability, some sort of rights, this sort of thing. And there's some limitations on that specifically in California, but ultimately um, a check the box is an important piece and may relieve some of the privacy issues, but not all. So AI is going to have to comply with this. They're going to have to find a way, these platforms, AI platforms and software, in terms of if you want to have significant innovations and opportunities for creatives and producers and distributors, you're going to have to be compliant. You're going to have to find a way to comply with these laws, right? Now, of course, in all of this, there is increased competition. And this is why for the last, you know, I would say, I'd say last five years, there's been so much, so many mergers and acquisitions. You know, you had the Fox and Disney deal. You've had, um, you know, Comcast and NBC. You've had uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. You've even had breakups of certain, um, you know, mergers uh, that were that were brokered in the last five years. But this competition and this regulation of AI and all these changes that are occurring, deals being made between, you know, cable carriers and streamers, looking for customers, reaching customers where they're at. It's why Paramount is potentially looking to looking at being bought and looking at a partnership. It's why Lionsgate created a special purpose acquisition company to spin off stars. It's cable uh, movie company. And it's also why, for example, uh, the Yes Network for the Yankees has teamed up with MSG Networks, which is uh, the, uh, the New York Rangers and uh, some of the other teams that are in New York uh, partnered a streaming deal to sort of stream uh, sports games together out of New York. And by the way, it's aptly named Gotham Advanced Media Entertainment, um, Media Entertainment, which acronym is GAME. So kudos to them. I thought that was pretty brilliant to come up with that. But um, again, technology is leading to innovation, growth, and deal-making. But there is this dispute issue that butts up against the law. And the law is very important in this regard because, again, you don't break the law, you break against the law, right? So now, of course, again, these mergers are also going to go against, go up against the law, neither whether it tries to push or not, whether it breaks or moves back, tries to comply with it is antitrust rules, regulations, and laws, right? Anytime you're merging and you're looking for these deals, you have to comply with antitrust rules. Uh, which sort of forbids anti-competitive behavior, which would include buying up your competition, right? So, and of course, this is somewhat ironic because uh, in college sports, for example, you have athletic programs moving specifically the state of Florida has now allowed 
universities to help broker some name, image, and likeness deals for some of their college athletes, which is something that was not envisioned in the original legislation in California or Florida or really anywhere. The idea was that these were private market deals. Students would manage them with their attorneys and their agents, and they would just report them to the schools. Of course, this has all changed with collectives and everything else. But what's interesting about this, when you're looking at the merging of conferences and teams leaving conferences and the amount of money that's being paid uh, through NIL and being paid to coaches, this all raises a level of awareness around college sports that maybe is not the greatest thing in terms of regulation, right? To have that much highlight. And it's led to more arguments about splitting of revenues with, with, uh, with the amateurs, um, with, uh, with the universities and the conferences. But of course, this is all going to be subject to tax laws. The IRS recently released a letter talking about collectives and because uh, a lot of collectives were filing for nonprofit status and some of the issues that go along with that. So again, antitrust is going to come up against some of these changes in college sports. Um, again, you know, sort of back to those petty, you know, those pesky little laws, right? Ultimately, this is why compliance is so important. Now, look, in the end, I think um, deal making is going to prevail. I think for a lot of these power brokers, most of these deals will be approved. They'll find a way to make it work, uh, whether that means shedding of certain assets or what what have you. But this is all proven by, um, you know, the fact that Disney brokered the deal, um, you know, with uh, with Charter and uh, and made that deal happen talked about the technology issue with Warner's uh, Warner Brothers and sort of sort of now having to offer this free sports tier for longer because it has not been implemented correctly because of techn- some uh, technical glitches. Um, but look, I think it, this is pretty typical. You know, anytime you have uh, innovation and adapt, you know, uh, adaptations, um, you know, you're going to have, um, you know, ultimately technical issues. And along with that, you know, obviously improvements. So I think, again, highlighting uh, this point that emerging technology is leading to both deal-making and disputes. I think the hope is that when this is all said and done, not that innovation is ever done, it's always improving. Uh, at least that's the hope. Uh, but the hope here is, is that the result is more consumer choice, more protected works in terms of copyright, and more innovation. And I think as long as we stay in that lane and and regulators and legislators stay in that lane, I think we'll be in a good place. But uh, again, folks, thanks for listening in. We've talked about emerging technology leading to deal-making and disputes in the entertainment, media, and sports industries. This is the California Sports Lawyer Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Evans. As always, appreciate you listening in and making us the top-rated entertainment, media, and sports law podcast in the world. This episode has been brought to you by Online. And we will look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much.